0: 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to be uh, closing out the book of 2 Timothy. Um, I'm filling in for our pastor this morning, so if you're visiting for the first time, um, I am not Pastor Art. Um, he is uh, different than me in a variety of ways. And uh, uh, whenever I have the opportunity to fill in for our pastor, I've been working uh, my way through First and Second Timothy, and uh, then our pastor was going through the pastoral epistles too, so he's, he's I think, just finished up Titus. And so we're going to take a step back and finish up uh, the book that I was going through. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, I've entitled this morning's sermon, uh, Pastors Are People Too. It's a phrase I'm quite fond of, um, but uh, this section of the book of Timothy, I think, points out the humanness or the the just normalness of life of of a pastor, even uh, of a pastor of somebody's magnitude like the Apostle Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 9 and just read through the end of the chapter. So if you would stand with me as we read through God's Word together. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Sorry, Second Timothy, chapter four, beginning in verse nine. Uh, if you would follow along as I read it to you out loud, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Uh, Chrysostom for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And uh, Tychicus I have left. I, I have sent uh, to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I have left with uh, Carpus at Troas when you come and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did, did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him for he has greatly resisted our words at my first defense no one stood with me but all forsook me may the lord uh, may it not be charged against them the lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me that all the gentiles might hear also i was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and pres- preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever, amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anisiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, uh, but Triphemus I have left in Miletus sick. Do your Do your utmost to come before winter. Uh, Iubilus greets you uh, as well as uh, Prudus, Linus, Claudia and the brethren the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit grace be to you Amen would you pray with me Dear Heavenly Father Lord we thank you for your word Lord which to us is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path Lord it shows us where we're at and where we need to go we pray that you would uh, speak to those things that are on our mind and in our hearts uh, from the depth of your heart, Lord, through your word. We pray that even now you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts to receive from you all that you have for each one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The books of First. And 2 Timothy, along with Titus, are books that are sometimes called pastoral epistles. Um, if you don't know what an epistle is, uh, it's what you get in your mailbox if you still have one of those. Uh, it's just a fancy word for letter. And so uh, pastoral letters, or uh, letters that were written by the Apostle Paul on how to be a pastor. Uh, so if you've ever wondered what a pastor is supposed to do, you can just read First and Second Timothy and Titus, and he'll tell you what you should do. Um, In 1 Timothy, he talks about uh, the conduct of the pastor, uh, for the most part, what uh, church service should look like, the key characteristics uh, that should be present in every church service. Uh, In 2 Timothy, uh, for the most part, the focus is on the character of the pastor. What is the pastor supposed to be like? What is he supposed to um, uh, have his focus on? Uh, And in addition to that, uh, sometimes he gets into the practical of what he's doing in order to express that character. But uh, 2 Timothy is the last letter we have from the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was a very unique individual. Uh, he, he wasn't a believer when, when Jesus was here. Uh, he was holding the coats of the very first martyr, uh, Stephen. And he, he wanted to throw the stones. He was consenting to the death of Stephen. And instead of throwing the stones himself, he was helping those by holding coats for those who were throwing the rocks Uh, at Stephen. And so uh, Paul didn't start off as a believer. Uh, He started off as somebody who persecuted the church uh, with great zeal and passion. And then the Lord uh, got a hold of his life while he was in the middle of that. Uh, He was on his road to Damascus. Uh, The Lord uh, revealed himself to him in a dramatic way. And uh, Paul had two questions. Lord, who are you? And the answer to that question was, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Uh, And then Paul followed up that question with, Lord, what do you want me to do? Uh, and he spent the rest of his life doing what the Lord wanted him to do. And part of that was uh, being the apostle to the Gentiles. Gentile is anybody who is not Jewish. Um, so he's my apostle. Uh, he was he was sent to uh, the Gentile uh, community, which is the community all outside of Jerusalem for the most part, uh, to share the gospel so that the gospel would go to the ends of the earth and that was all the way over in Jerusalem and here we are in Valley Springs talking about the gospel so I would say he did a pretty good job at <laughs> what the Lord gave him to do um, but this is this this letter is written towards the end of his life it is the last letter that we have from Paul so it's his uh, final words and we're in the final section of his final words so these are Paul's last written words that we have uh, and, ra- and then uh, and rather than being uh, focused on Timothy and his character, uh, Paul gives us some insight into what's going on in his life in general. Uh, another way of looking at First uh, and Second Timothy and the book of Titus is if you've ever wondered what pastors talk about between pastors, you can just read the First and Second Timothy and <laughs> Titus because it's pastors talking to each other about pastorly things. Uh, but uh, even in our section that we just read, Paul talks about wanting a coat because it's cold. Uh, So sometimes there are very practical things that pastors talk about. Um, And uh, the focus on the the practical things and the variety of things that he talks about, uh, while they're certainly true for pastors, uh, they are true for every believer who is walking with the Lord and seeking to be obedient with their life to the Lord. Uh, The things that he talks about and the way in which he talks about them are, are true for every believer. And we're going to see uh, that uh, pastors, just like every other Christian, uh, need friends in ministry. And pastors, just like every other Christian, have enemies because of their service to the Lord. And pastors, just like every other Christian, uh, get to see God's faithfulness uh, when they're serving the Lord. Uh, and we're going to see how these personal touchstone uh, parts of Paul's life are are shown to us in this last part of the letter. Um, But before we get there, I want you to think about uh, where Paul was at uh, in particular. He knew that he was at the end of his life. He had just said uh, in our last time together, uh, I am being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. Uh, His expectation was that he was gonna die pretty soon uh, and so he was looking back on his life, looking forward uh, to the ministry that Timothy would have. Uh, Timothy was a, a protege of Paul's, uh, somebody who he poured his life into uh, in a way that's unique uh, to Timothy compared to anybody else. But if you knew that you were going to die soon, what would you ask for? If you knew you were going to die soon, who would you ask to see? And what advice would you want to pass on? Uh, these are the kinds of things that I'm sure are running through Paul's mind as he's writing this letter. Uh, he he urges Timothy twice to come to see him quickly, uh, and it's because he's not sure how much time he has, and it's not even sure that Timothy made it in time to see Paul. And I think Paul knew that while he was writing this letter, that that was a, a possibility. And so what he's writing, he realizes may be his last words to his protege, his uh, what he calls a son in the faith, and so he be, he begins in uh, verse nine. Again, the the first point that we're going to be looking at is pastors, just like every other Christian, uh, needs friends in the ministry. Uh, sometimes we use the word ministry, and we think of a minister like me, uh, and we we think that uh, pastors are you know professional Christians. They get they get paid to serve the Lord. And and that's it. That's that's what. That's the only person who's really serving the Lord is is the pastor because he's a professional Christian and we pay him to do that. Um, when in Scripture, it's it's not presented that way. Uh, pastors are supposed to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Um, you're the saints. <laughs> I'm the pastor, and the work of the ministry is not done here, but done there. Um, I have the privilege of working uh, at a our local drugstore here. And I get to be a witness to my coworkers there. And uh, as far as I'm aware, I'm the only one who's able to be a witness of Jesus Christ there. <laughs> um, I don't know where you work or what family uh, circles and connections you have, but I, I'm, I'm going to assume that you have more reach there than I do. Um, and so my job as, as a pastor is to equip you for the work of the ministry that God's given you. And what, wherever you're working, whatever circle you have, whether that be friends or family or a job or whatever it is, uh, you can reach people that our pastor can never reach, that I could never reach because God didn't want me to reach them. He, he has you there. <laughs> and it's my job to equip you for that. Uh, but just like uh, that ministry uh, needs friends and encouragement, that's part of why we gather together on Sunday mornings, uh, is to stir up each other to love and good works. It's the good works, not that we do here, Granted, there are good works that are done here, but uh, the vast majority of good works that God wants us to do are not here. They're not to be done inside the church. They're to be done by the church outside of the building of the church. And so pastors, like I said, just like every other Christian, uh, needs friends in the ministry. And the very first thing that Paul asks for uh, is verse 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly. He'll say... uh, the end of his letter in verse 21, do your utmost to come before winter. Uh, We know the reason for that is because he's asking for a coat and he's probably cold. Um, But he's asking for Timothy. Uh, Timothy was a friend of Paul who started well and ended well. Uh, Timothy from the beginning uh, was uh, commended to Paul and joined Paul on a few mission trips. And uh, Paul wrote this about Timothy in Philippians chapter 2, Another letter that Paul wrote, Philippians chapter two, verse nineteen and twenty listen to uh, listen to what Paul says about Timothy, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I may also be encouraged when I know your state, for I have no one like minded who will sincerely care for your state for all seek their own and not the things which are of Jesus Christ, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. So when Paul was asking Timothy to come to him, the man that he was asking for was a man that in Paul's estimation was very unique. There was no one else quite like Timothy in Paul's estimation. No one had the same heart uh, for God's people like Paul had, except for Timothy in Paul's estimation. When he was looking at the people around him serving with him. And Paul served with lots of people. If you look at the end of the letters that he writes, even this one, uh, he's like, all of these households greet you, and all of these other people greet them, You know, say hi to them, and it's kind of like a group phone call at the end of the call, and like, hey, tell them I said hi. He he knows a lot of people. Uh, But Timothy had a special place in Paul's heart. Timothy was somebody who had the same mind and the same heart in his service to the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, Just a sincere love. Uh, It seems personality-wise, they were pretty different. Uh, Paul seemed to be quite bold, uh, and Timothy seemed to be quite timid. Um, So personality-wise, they were different, but their heart for the Lord was the same. And so uh, Timothy was one of those friends in ministry uh, that I would say is more rare than uh, common. And that is somebody who starts well and then finishes well. And he's asking his faithful, his most faithful friend, to be diligent to come to him quickly, to come before winter. And when he comes, to bring his cloak uh, and 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 books and especially the par- parchments. We're not really sure what the books and the parchment are that Timothy was supposed to bring. Uh, there's a lot of spec- speculation about what they could be, um, but. Uh, we're not told what they are. They could be uh, scripture. They could just be writing materials. Um, they could be a variety of things. But Paul was interested in learning and growing, and he knew his end was near. <laughs> he he wanted to continue to grow in his knowledge of the Lord, it would seem. There were those who started well, uh, friends in the ministry, uh, who ended poorly. He mentions there in verse 10, notice, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Uh, Demas is mentioned in a couple of Paul's letters, uh, both in uh, uh, Colossians chapter 4 at the end of his letter, uh, but then also at the end of Philemon. He calls him a fellow laborer, uh, along with a few other faithful brothers in Christ, and Uh, At this point in Demas' walk with the Lord, uh, he is no longer a faithful co-laborer. He has forsaken not just Paul, but it would seem the ministry uh, uh, that Paul was engaged in of sharing the gospel. Uh, Whether it was too much for him or not what he was looking for, uh, we're not sure uh, if it was that. um, But he had started well. Uh, He had the Apostle Paul... (laughs) Uh, as a co-laborer. Um, I know some people have a hard time uh, with some churches. It's just not the right church for me, or the pastor's not that great, or whatever their uh, excuse is. Um, but Demas had Paul. <laughs> and uh, I think Paul was probably pretty solid in what he was doing and how he was going about it. Um, and so what, what he did was he, uh, Demas had forsaken um, Paul in a time in which he needed company uh, his his friend wasn't there for him anymore and paul tells us what what went wrong again there in verse 10 having loved this present world this man's life was fruitful for the lord uh, but it became less fruitful or unfruitful entirely uh, because of misplaced affections. No longer was the Lord the love of his life, Uh, but this present world was. Uh, Jesus gave a parable where he shared with uh, his disciples what the the gospel was like. The message of the gospel is kind of like a seed, and you can throw it out, and it's going to land on four different kinds of soil the soils are comparable to the hearts of men and the gospel goes out and on some it just sits on the surface and it's eaten up by birds and it never, never penetrates the heart. Uh, it's preached, it's heard, but not received. The second soil is uh, shallow, rocky ground. Uh, so it's, it's preached, it's heard, it's held on to for a moment until it costs something. <laughs> oh, I have to stop doing that? Yeah, I'm not interested anymore. Oh, I have to start doing that? Nah, I'm not interested in doing that anymore. <laughs> they're just, uh, any time that it costs them anything, they're just not into it anymore. Uh, and so sometimes it's the hardships of serving the Lord that drive people from the Lord. Uh, but that's not what Demas had in, was encountering. What Demas was encountering was the third soil that uh, Jesus talked about with his disciples. Uh, a seed went out, it went into good soil, no rocks, however there were, there were weeds. And the weeds, Jesus interprets for us, uh, now these are those ones that were sown among the thorns, or the weeds. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire, the desires for other things. Enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. That's Demas. Uh, For some, uh, it's the hardships of life that make our lives unfruitful because uh, we don't know how to hold on to the hope of the gospel. Uh, But what shipwrecks others isn't the hard things in life. What shipwrecks others are the good things in life. Where God gives you something good, and instead of... uh, thanking God for that, you allow that thing to become God for you. It can happen with a job. Uh, it can happen with a spouse. It can happen with uh, you know, a possession of any kind. But it's when it has our affections, when it has our first love rather than the Lord, uh, it will choke out the power of the word in your life. Uh, and it seems like Having started well and being a fellow laborer with Paul, Demas became unfruitful in his ministry because of a love for this world, uh, and and it's very short-sighted, uh, having you know invest investing all your, all of your life into this life without any care or concern for eternity. Uh, it's kind of hard for us to think about what that's like sometimes because we get so wrapped up in our life. Uh, but if you think about it kind of like uh, a semester of school or a shift at work and instead of you know, putting all your money aside for spending when you get off of your shift at work, uh, you spend all of your money at work on snacks that you'll leave at work, on you know, different nice things that you'll have at work and then when you go home, you'll have nothing. <laughs> and like while you're at work, yes, it made being at work much better. Or if you're in school and you're uh, instead of studying and you know getting ready for the, that final test that to produce a grade that you're going to have with you forever, uh, you're just you know sleeping in and not doing any of your homework and <laughs> not studying for the test that's coming. Yeah, that might make the time now more fun, uh, but the result that's going to leave is going to be much longer, <laughs> more permanent, and it's not going to be good. Uh, there's a uh, paying for it now and enjoying it later, element of it that's missing. And so, uh, Demas is kind of blinded by the shiny objects of this world. Then we have an example of a friend in ministry who's the opposite of a Demas, which is good, uh, who started poorly, but then ended well. Notice there in verse 11, uh, Paul writes, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for the ministry. Uh, Mark, if you don't know who he is, he sometimes goes by John or John Mark, is the author of the book of Mark um, and was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey for a little bit. Uh, he started well, and then halfway through the missionary journey, he quit. He's like, this is too hard, I want to go home, and he just left right in the middle. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever been at a job site or working and somebody just leaves halfway through their shift. You're like, what happened? Where did they go? Um, yeah, that's not the kind of co-worker you want. <laughs> you want one that's going to stay there the whole time. And so uh, Acts chapter 13 records that story uh, where uh, John Mark joined Paul and then quit on Paul. And then when Paul wanted to go on his second missionary journey, uh, Barnabas, um, John Mark's uncle, wanted to bring uh, John Mark too. And Paul was like, absolutely not. We are not going to bring the guy who quit on us halfway through. the. He's, he's not useful to us for ministry. He's going to be more of a liability uh, than an asset for us. He, he's, we don't want this guy. This guy is not the guy we want. He lacks the character. He lacks the endurance uh, needed to, 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 to do the work of ministry. And it's this... Mark, that Paul's now talking about at the end of his life, that Paul is not just saying, oh, he's, he's doing good ministry, but he's like, bring him to me. He's useful to me for the ministry. Uh, he did not start well, uh, but he did finish well, which is an encouragement to any of us if we haven't started well. Uh, the not-so-encouraging words I share with my bosses from time to, from time, to time is, uh, normally after I've made a mistake of some kind, is I tell them I'm going for most improved. So (laughs) just set that low standard right there at the beginning, and then uh, I'll do better next time. It shouldn't be too hard to do because I've done so terribly. Um, So I don't know where you're at. If you've been faithfully serving and you need to be encouraged to continue to be faithful to serve the Lord uh, and don't uh, end up like Demas, or maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you started off and you didn't start off so hot, Uh, know that that doesn't mean you're ruined for ministry forever. Uh, Mark, who started off poorly, even though he had the uh, Apostle Paul (laughs) with him as his uh, mentor uh, and had offended him so bad that he wouldn't even take him on another trip, at the end of his life, had proven himself to be a faithful servant uh, of the Lord to the point where Paul is asking for him to come and to once again labor alongside of him. If you're serving the Lord, uh, having friends who will encourage you, who will bring you a coat <laughs> when you're cold, uh, bring you your books that you forgot, <laughs> uh, it's important. Uh, the, the pastors who are people, too, um, are just like any other believer. We need one another. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever done the study, but if you uh, study through Scripture, And just in the New Testament, look for the one another commands, where it says to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to exhort one another. All of those things require another. (laughs) God made us to need one another, and not even uh, the Apostle Paul was beyond that. Uh, At the end of my last sermon when we were talking about Paul, he was saying all of these things that kind of made him sound like he was superhuman, like I could never be the Apostle Paul. And now Paul is asking for help, asking for company, asking for fellowship. Uh, and I can identify with that a little bit more. Uh, we, we were made, uh, as the body of Christ, to need one another. Uh, Paul, when he was writing to the Corinthians, said, is everybody uh, in the body of Christ an eyeball? I'm like, No because then where would the hearing be? Is everybody an ear? They're like, no, because where would the tasting be? We're all different than one another, and those differences, they're good and necessary. Uh, You may see somebody doing something in ministry and just look from a distance saying, I could never do that. Uh, Every time I, I worship alongside of you guys and we're enjoying either our pastor art or our guest worship leader, I'm like, I can't wait for heaven when I can, when I can really sing. <laughs> right now, I'm in the joyful noise category. I, uh, I sing in such a way as to encourage others to sing louder. That's, that's my gift to the body of Christ. And so, we're not all gifted the same. Uh, and it's not just okay, but that's by design. Uh, we're not all gifted the same. Uh, and that's so that we can serve one another. Uh, yes, there's work to do outside of the church, but there's work to do inside of the church. Uh, As much as uh, you or I may need uh, a word of encouragement in due season or a word of exhortation, somebody to say, hey, you're not doing that, you ought to. Or a word of rebuke, stop, just stop. I have kids, I use that phrase a lot, just just stop. (laughs) Sometimes as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to look at each other in the eye and just say, just stop. (laughs) This is not honoring to the Father. And we need to hear that. Paul was no different. Paul recognized his need for it to the point where he's asking his friends to come to him because he's not able to go to them. Point number two, rapidly moving on. Pastors, just like every Christian, have enemies because of the ministry or because of their service to the Lord. Pastors have enemies because of the ministry. And if you serve the Lord, there's going to come a time when you're, Service to the Lord is going to rub the world that you live in uh, the wrong way. When I uh, lived in Southern California for a little bit, uh, I worked at a Costco. I worked in the Costco bakery, and uh, they knew I was going to uh, a pastor school and learning uh, pastoral things. And so... um, I was doing my best to be a witness in the place that God had put me. I, I had literally applied to every other job and I didn't get one phone call back from anywhere. And even before I went down to Southern California to go to school, the Lord had spoke to me. and was like, you're gonna work at Costco. Like, okay, <laughs> that's great. I'm gonna need a job right away because I, I had bought a house the year before just up the street here. So I was still paying on that and I was renting in Southern California. If you ever have the opportunity to do that, don't. It's, it's very expensive. Um, but if the Lord's calling you to do it, by all means, the Lord will provide. And so the Lord provided for me a full-time job at, at Costco, and I knew that he wanted me to be there uh, because he had spoken to me, well, this is where I want you to work. I'm like, all right, well, you're going to have to get me in there, and I'm also going to need you know, full-time hours and the rest of that. And the Lord, the Lord took care of all of that. But the Lord put me there to be a witness uh, in, in a way that was more obvious to me than it had ever been before, um, but not in a way that's any less true than any one of us, wherever we're working. The Lord has us there. You are the missionary there, and you are being uh, funded by your corporation to be a missionary there. So <laughs> I was a missionary unto Costco Fountain Valley, and uh, Costco Fountain Valley was paying for that. So while I was there, um, uh, I was I was noted, as I mentioned earlier, uh, for being able to tell the truth on myself, even if it got me in trouble. Uh, so I told him, uh, I, I had once... I'm not sure if you've ever had uh, Costco croissants, but they come in packs of 12. They fit on one tray, and there's 30 trays that fit on one rack, and that whole rack goes in the oven and comes out of the oven at the same time, which means if you forget to take it out for about 10 minutes longer than you need to, you've burnt about 30 packages of croissants. And so I had done that, and I confessed, and I could have blamed it on anybody or just not said anybody and gotten away with it, but I'm a Christian, so I'm I'm very comfortable with confessing my incense. Uh, and I, I had gotten the reputation for being somebody who spoke the truth, um, mostly because I would confess my own sins and um, you know help out everybody else because normally they'd get blamed for that rather than me. Uh, and they began to really appreciate my willingness to speak the truth because it only got me in trouble <laughs> and got them out of trouble. So everybody was excited about that, right? Uh, until one day, about five months into my time being there, uh, that. Uh, my manager had not given me enough time to do the jobs that I'm required to do weekly. We had a weekly cleaning list. That was my official job, was bakery cleaner. Um, occasionally they would let me bake. But he didn't give me enough time to you know scrub the, the floors and all the corners in the way that we're supposed to once a week. And so he, he told me, just sign off on the paperwork for it, and we'll do it later. Uh, so what he was asking me to do was to lie, <laughs> which is... The opposite of telling the truth, Uh, and in that moment, I had to make a choice: Am I just telling the truth uh, when it's convenient, or am I telling the truth even when it's inconvenient? I'm not sure if you have ever had the opportunity to get your boss in trouble, but I don't recommend that you do that (laughs) unless it means uh, that you have to be disobedient to the Lord. And so I I made a choice. He wasn't there, and I made him aware of it afterwards. But this is the line I told him: I was like, I. I don't lie to you, and I can't lie for you. I didn't sign the paperwork, and uh, he didn't talk to me for a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, it was kind of awkward, but I'm like, I, you know, I, I know one day I'm going to stand before the Lord. Uh, but for that couple of weeks, it was hard to to minister to the Lord at Costco Fountain Valley <laughs> um, because. Because of my ministry to the Lord, I had created an enemy out of my boss for a few weeks. Uh, he did get over it eventually, and then when I uh, graduated from the school that I was at, before I came back, it was typical of us at Costco to um, do a send-off dinner for whoever was leaving the bakery, because even though the Costco I worked at had like a few hundred employees, uh, the bakery only had like you know 20 employees. So we all knew each other pretty well, and so whenever anybody left, we would use that as use that as an excuse to go out and eat. And so we went out and ate, and uh, we went to a Mexican restaurant. We had some good food. We stayed there until about 10, uh, just eating and talking and hanging out. And my manager, who was, uh, came out, uh, uh, ended up coming out to the parking lot with me, um, and I shared the gospel with him every way I knew how for about four hours. We were there until, like, one in the morning. <laughs> And up until that point, I had been a junior high youth pastor for six years. Um, So I used every junior high illustration that I had ever invented (laughs) in explaining the gospel to him uh, to explain to him why it was important. And uh, I had my year and a half of work experience there, of testimony, of he knew why I was there, he knew why I was leaving. I was leaving at a terrible time to leave and try to stay with Costco. It was it was a bad business plan to leave then, but it was what the Lord wanted for me. Uh, and he knew, uh, whether he knew it or not, uh, personally, he knew that the Lord was the Lord of my life, because I had shown it to him <laughs> by making him mad. <laughs> so he knew I knew uh, the Lord, and he knew that I believed that the Lord uh, cared about my life, and cared for my life. And about... Eight months after that, I received a voicemail from him, and uh, it was the last thing I heard from him, that he had started going to church. And like I went to school to go to school, but the Lord gave me that job to make my manager angry <laughs> in my service to the Lord. When, when you serve the Lord, it's going to rub people the wrong way at some point. Uh, Paul said earlier in this uh, same letter, I think it's this letter? Yes. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse, thir- uh, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's not because you did something wrong, it's because you're doing something right. And Paul says here uh, about this man, Alexander, verse 14, uh, his enemy. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. <coughs> May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. First, notice what Alexander did. <coughs> the phrase he uses is, he did me much harm, uh, which kind of sounds like bad English, but uh, the phrase that it's translating in Greek is that he testified against me. Paul's in prison, uh, and at his first defense, he was defending himself, most likely, against this guy, Alexander. He was in jail because somebody had accused him of calling Jesus Lord, <laughs> of serving the Lord in some way that was contrary to the law of the land, whether that would be a slanderous accusation. Uh, this man, Alexander, was the one who was most likely bringing those charges against him. And so uh, that, that same phrase, he did me much harm, could also be translated, uh, informed many things against me. So he was like a secret informant uh, in, in a day and age when only uh, you know saying something against Caesar or proclaiming some other king could get you uh, killed. Uh, that, that seems to be what the charge was against Paul by this man, Alexander. Uh, and notice what Paul asks God to do with Alexander. May the Lord repay him. Paul here puts into practice in his own life what he exhorts uh, the Romans to do in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. He says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Uh, Vengeance isn't necessarily wrong, it just isn't yours. We're not the judge of the world. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes we may want to act that way, uh, but the Lord is. And when we give place uh, to the Lord to have that, um, he will, uh, in his own way, in his own time, and with the right amount of justice, exercise that vengeance. And so, uh, notice what he tells him to repay him according to. He's not like, Lord, you, you do twice as bad to him as what he did to me. He says, may the Lord repay him according to his works. To be, uh, it, it, it is a terrible thing to be judged according to one's own works. Uh, if you're here this morning and you think you're going to be okay because of the good things that you've done before God, uh, that you're going to earn your way to heaven, it's not good enough. Uh, that's the message of the gospel that Paul preached, was that uh, if there could be a way that was good enough, if you could do enough good works to be accepted by God, uh, then Jesus wouldn't have to die. But Jesus had to die because there was not any good work that we could work that would make us acceptable before God. Jesus and Jesus alone did that work. And what Paul is praying for uh, should frighten any one of us, that the Lord would repay us according to our works. The The good news of the gospel is that uh, the good works that Jesus did are our rewards, not because we've earned them, but because he earned them for us. And that our works, apart from Christ, have been Uh, paid for by Christ on the cross. Finally, notice what Paul warns Timothy uh, with regard to Alexander. He's not just blowing off some steam here, but Paul warns Timothy what he must do with Alexander. Timothy must be aware of him. Uh, It's possible that this Alexander was an Alexander that was mentioned as a brother in Christ in Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. Somebody who Paul mentioned favorably before, and that's why he's in the friends uh, could possibly be put into the friend category where he wasn't a true brother, though. He was a fake brother. <laughs> he was somebody who had snuck in and was trying to, you know, sneak uh, around and call himself a brother. Uh, and that's something that we're exhorted uh, in other books to be aware of, is that not everybody who claims to be a brother in Christ is a brother in Christ. Uh, sometimes they they come into church, and the Bible describes them as uh, those who creep in the church. Uh, it's the Bible's language. In the book of Jude, it calls them that. Uh, so my, I like to use the Bible word for it. Uh, they're creeps. There are creeps who go to church. If you didn't know that, you should know that. Uh, Not everybody who's in the church is in the church for the right reason. There are those who come to church to creep, to bring in false doctrine, to make false accusations, to divide, whose intent is much harm. Paul warns Timothy to be aware of him. Last but certainly not least, pastors, just like every other Christian who serves the Lord. Pastors see God's faithfulness as they minister to the Lord. Pastors see God's faithfulness as they minister to the Lord. Uh, Whether you have friends in ministry or have enemies in ministry, you will always have the Lord uh, as you serve the Lord. Notice what Paul says in verse 16. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me may it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles may hear. I also was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul when he needed somebody to stand alongside of him. At his very first defense, it doesn't seem like anybody could make it. Those who could have made it chose not to be there, and those who wanted to be there couldn't make it there in time. Uh, And even though from the outside he was all alone, Paul says that he wasn't all alone, that the Lord was faithful and was with him. Verse 16 again, At my first defense no one stood with me, All all forsook me, When he thinks about that and the faithlessness of some, he doesn't do what he did with Alexander. Lord, repay them according to their works. He quotes somebody else. He says, instead, may it not be charged against them. Again, Paul, at the first mention of him in Scripture, when he's persecuting the church, the very first Christian who dies in the church, is a man named Stephen. He uh, preached a a very long sermon. You can still read it in the book of Acts. And at the end of that sermon, the people really didn't like it. They decided it'd be a good time to kill the pastor, (laughs) the guy preaching the sermon. And Paul held the coats of those who were stoning him. But Stephen's last words were reminiscent of what Paul says here. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Stephen said that with regard to Paul. While Paul was holding the coats, Stephen was like, Lord, you be gracious to them. and says if he knew God's heart for even Paul. And so Paul, when he's thinking about these other believers who weren't able to stand with him, he asks for them to be pardoned as well. But God's faithfulness sometimes is clearest when the time are the toughest. God's faithfulness to us sometimes is the clearest when times are the toughest. Uh, Our pastor is fond of saying from time to time, uh, there is no testimony without a test. I can tell you about the times in my own life where the Lord asked me to do some crazy things. And I was like, I don't know if that's going to work, Lord, Uh, just being a pastor in general. I got held back in school because I couldn't read, and now it's my job to stand in front of the people and read. Like This seems like a terrible plan, Lord. <laughs> Could you please find somebody else? Anybody else would be a great plan. <laughs> and so, you know, the Lord, the Lord is faithful, uh, and his faithfulness is clearest seen when there's nobody else to help. The Lord stood with Paul and strengthened him. Uh, but that's not unique to apostles, uh, men who write scripture, men who plant churches, men who raise up other pastors. That's for everyone. The, the faithfulness of the Lord, uh, he, he mentions uh, at the end uh, in verse 22, he says, the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Uh, he he gives the same blessing that he experienced. He, he now pronounces upon Timothy. But Jesus said to his disciples and to anybody who would follow him and, and be a disciple of Jesus, uh, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 uh, says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he, speaking about Jesus, himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I think Paul had those words in his mind as he penned these words, when he said, The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Uh, He's not saying uh, only super apostles or only pastors have this opportunity for the Lord to stand with and strengthen But each one of us have that opportunity and privilege. And in fact, God will put you in positions where you need the Lord to stand with you. Where if you're going to make it, you're going to need the Lord to strengthen you. Uh, We even see this to be true in Jesus' life. Jesus, before he was going to perform his greatest act of obedience, of going to the cross, was praying, Lord, if there's any other way... (laughs) Have you ever prayed one of those prayers? Lord, if there's any other way, let's do that. Uh, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Do you know how God answered that prayer? We're told how God answered that prayer. Jesus prayed that prayer three times, and he meant it every time. Lord, any other way. The Lord answered that prayer, not with words, but with an action, uh, which is kind of a passive way of giving an answer, right? If I ask my kids to please clean up their... You know dirty clothes and they just go and do it they didn't say yes but they still did it Jesus is asking if there's any other way please I don't want to I don't want to endure this suffering it's going to be hard any other way Lord the answer is given to us uh, in in Luke after he prays that prayer uh, chapter I think it's 22 verse uh, 42 it says the Lord sent an angel to strengthen him if Jesus needed to d- If Jesus needed to pray for strength so that he could be obedient to the Lord, do you think you're going to need strength if you're going to be obedient to what God has called you to do? Absolutely. If Paul needed the Lord to strengthen him in order for him to stand where he needed to stand, when he needed to stand, um, we're going to need that too. But here's the word of encouragement in all of this. The Lord wants to stand with you. The Lord wants to strengthen you. The Lord wants to give you everything you need in order to be fully obedient to him. For Paul, it was that the message of the gospel might be fully preached, that the gen- that all the Gentiles might, be hear, might hear. He says, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. That was at his first defense. He, he didn't get beheaded right away. Uh, and then he says, and the Lord will deliver me. Uh, but this second deliverance, he's not, ex- he's not expecting to be acquitted. That's not what he's talking about. Notice how he describes this deliverance in there in verse 18, and we'll close. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his he- heavenly kingdom. The deliverance he's talking about now uh, is not from a situation. It's from this present world. He was expecting to die. That, that's what he looked at as his deliverance. As a believer, we can look at death much differently than those in the world around us. Uh, this life is meant to be uh, in service to the Lord. Uh, it's when we're clocked in on our shift. Uh, if you're at work and you're clocked in, you're working hopefully the whole time you're there as unto the Lord, as the scripture commands you to. Uh, and then when you clock out, um, others may be sad that you have left. <laughs> uh, but you are probably not. <laughs> like, and I'm done, and I'm happy to go home. This is the deliverance Paul is talking about. He's done. Uh, he already mentioned that he's, the time of his departure is at hand, uh, but that's what he's looking forward to is God's kingdom, being delivered from an old, beat-up body <laughs> that he had spent in service to the Lord, deliverance from a, a Roman prison that was cold. Uh, he was getting to go to heaven, That's the deliverance he's talking about. One day we will all be delivered in in a similar way. But we ought to look at our lives in the same way we look at a shift uh, of work at work. Uh, We've got a limited time to do it and when we're clocked out, don't be sad for me. I mean, I I might be sad for you if you still had to stay (laughs) and work and I didn't do that great of a job. Um, But we get to go to heaven. Paul's looking forward to going to heaven. Ultimately, Uh, When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just deliver us from the penalty of sin uh, that each one of us deserve, which is death, but from the power of sin in our life and ultimately from the presence of sin itself. Uh, That's life in God's kingdom. That's the good news of the gospel that Paul preached. Let's close in a word of prayer, and uh, I'll dismiss after that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, uh, which encourages us that uh, even though you've given us pastors, uh, that pastors are people too, uh, with friends in ministry, with enemies because of ministry, with uh, your presence in the midst of it for strength and for uh, company, Lord, that we can enjoy your fellowship. Lord, I pray for each one who is here, for each one who's in the sound of my voice, Lord, that if they don't know you if they've not experienced your strength in their life, Lord, I pray that uh, they would ask those same questions that that Paul did when he first got to know you. Lord, who are you? What do you want me to do? Lord, you have an answer to that question for each one here. Lord, I pray that uh, if there are those here who have not confessed their sin, who have not called the sin in their life sin, who have not called you their Lord and submitted their life to you as as their Lord, Lord, that their life would be full of obedience to you starting today, Lord, that they would begin to be faithful, Lord, I pray for those who might be in John Mark's position where they have not started well, Lord, let their lives have his testimony of ending well, Lord, there's never a point at which it's too late to begin serving you. Lord, the fact that you woke us up this morning and brought us into this place. It's because you desire to work in us. It's because you desire to work through us. Lord, we thank you for loving us, for accepting us, for making us acceptable to you. Lord, for allowing us to call you our own helper. Lord, I pray that you would be with each one of us this morning. As we go out from this place, in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord be with each one of you this morning. Um, We were going to close in a song, but I realize I've gone over, so we're going to, hopefully if you have kids, we can rescue the teachers who are probably wondering if I'll ever stop. Um, But uh, if you need prayer for anything, I would love to pray with you uh, and pray for you. Then you can pray for me, because, you know, (laughs) pastors are people, too. Keep our our pastor and his wife in prayer. Uh, They were supposed to be on vacation and enjoying that, but I know they spent part of that being sick. Uh, So uh, would you join me in a quick word of prayer for our pastor and his wife? Lord, we we thank you for our pastor. Lord, and his faithfulness to you. uh, Lord, we're here in part because of his faithful obedience to you. Uh, We've all been blessed because of uh, his obedience. Lord, we pray that uh, you would so likewise bless him Uh, bless Pastor Art and Sherry. Lord, if they're not all the way better yet, Lord, help them to get all the way better. Lord, if they are uh, and they're looking for some time together, Lord, that you would uh, just bless them. Lord, we thank you for them uh, and your work in their life and through their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's enjoy some fellowship.